Okay, can everybody hear me? All right, let's, uh, the title of the lesson is The Sign of Jonah is the Sign of Love. The Sign of Jonah is the Sign of Love. Look in uh, Luke 11, 29. In Luke 11, verse 29, it says, As the crowd pressed in on Jesus, he said, These are evil times. And this evil generation keeps asking me to show them a miraculous sign. But only the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. You know, that's pretty interesting. That's back when Jesus spoke approximately 2,000 years. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's the only sign that's going to be given, except he hadn't died and raised yet. So he was really giving the sign of Jonah to the, to the people of Israel and the people that had obstinate hearts. And he said, listen, you need to repent now because I'm walking on the earth. But when I die, I'm going to represent the ultimate example of what the spiritual implication of what you should have seen with the act of the prophet of Jonah. And now you're going to see in me. Why? Because Jonah was asked to obey God and he didn't. Free will choice. He was asked to go to Nineveh and call the whole city to repent. Instead of going west, he went east. Or instead of going east, he went west. One of those. But he went basically opposite direction. Jesus says, follow me. Deny yourself. Carry your cross daily. And Jesus is Lord. And we're going to see a couple baptisms where we're going to reiterate that today. Where What is your good confession? They've studied out the Bible where it says in Acts 2.38... God says to, uh, that Peter reiterates to the first people that entered God's true church. God made this Jesus both Lord and Christ, who you crucified, he says in Acts 2.38. When they heard this, they like, cut to the heart, it says, and they said, what shall we do? And Peter, said, uh, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, your children, and all who are far off, which is all of us, because we were really far off. Promise still stands. Jesus dies for us because he loves us, but he calls us and invites us to decide to walk with him. Not have to make Jesus Lord. Jesus is going to bring the world to an end. The Bible says in other places, every knee will bow. It doesn't mean every knee who wants to bow. And he's not trying to be pushy. He's just saying, I am God. I created the whole world. I give everybody a lifespan of life to get it right and decide. I'm going to throw it out there. I love you. There's nothing else I'm going to do. I decided what is evil. And since I'm in heaven and I want you to live forever, if you don't want to live the way I want you to live, even though I'm going to help you do it, then why would you want to be in heaven when you die anyway? If you want to do what you want, do want now and then force yourself to convince people that you're right with God, no one's going to argue with you. The one you have to do is be humble to God's word. Yeah. Yeah. See, people who struggle with faith sometimes say that if they could have actually seen Jesus at work and heard him with their own eyes, they would have not had any problems to believe. And as understandable as this might sound, it's not, it's not feasible because God wouldn't give us more than we can handle. Some of the people who saw Jesus at work and heard him speak still struggled in believing. They walked away. They said, I want another miracle. Let me have another one. 
show me again. Even when he was hanging on the cross, people were going up saying, now just come down from there and we'll believe. Just continuing to want to control, really, they're so deceived. They want to direct God on how they want to be saved. Show me once again, and then I'll come in maybe, and you'll be privileged to have me with you. You're not saying that, but that's what you're saying by your actions. Jesus' response to their lack of belief is enlightening. See, he saw their attitude not so much as the struggle to believe. It's an attitude of a problem. God's love is crying out to everyone. And it's really, when we say, I just don't have enough or believe, you're switching it around. You're not responding to the love. See, the sign of Jonah for us is still the same. You know, we need to understand that that book of Jonah, some people that struggle, is the Bible truly the word of God? If someone was trying to fake you out, because either if God allowed that, God's got to go, wow, there's no way they're going to buy this unless they have faith. And the world, if somebody was trying, the demonic world or Satan was behind trying to orchestrate, is it really a trustworthy book? Is it just a book written by men, right? Satan would have said, there's no way I'm putting Jonah in there. That's too over the top. People are going to go, this is ridiculous. But then he does that because he says, no, wait, put it in there. Because that's exactly what I want people to think. This is ridiculous. There's no way something like this could happen. There's no way this could be the word of God. We see it in little storybooks. We see Mickey Mouse fishing in the whale. I don't know where that is. Remember, you've seen that, that, that shows a drama or Pinocchio or something. Remember, we get swallowed by a whale and we, see, we, see, we think of the cartoon version of like, and we think it, but subconsciously we go, that's impossible. Well, guess what? Last I checked to die and be in a tomb for three days and then resurrect from the dead. That's impossible. So he saw their attitude not so much as to struggle to believe, but as a symptom of evil times and an evil generation. What's that mean? Wickedness in the heart. Listen to this. He was asked to go obey. Just put it in layman's terms. If you don't know the book, this isn't religion. This is walk with God through the Bible. See, people all mess it up. Thou, though, thee, and everybody. Like when I went to church, everybody would whisper, shh. I was so focused on getting in trouble by making a noise that I didn't even, couldn't even half hear what they're doing. Worship. Be fired up. If you're, if you're, if you're a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, and I'm not, I'm just a football, I mean, I, I used to watch football, but it's too long now. But I, I'm not trying to make everybody rah-rah. I'm just saying, say you love a sports team or, or your favorite concert and you get tickets to it. And you go there and someone turned over and said, shh, shh. When someone scores a touchdown or someone starts playing your favorite tune that you've played since high school and all of a sudden they're playing that favorite, nah, 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 you're like, woo! And everybody starts taking out their lights and their fans like this and someone turns around, stop it, shh, shh. You're like, what? I'm trying to enjoy myself and worship and celebrate this song that brings a lot of feelings to me. Now, why we don't want to interfere with people's worship, but it's fine to get excited. And if you're here visiting and it's like, what the heck? Don't worry about it. We love God. We're excited. But don't, don't think we're trying to be irreverent to God. So, so, so he says, Never, Jonah, go. Go do this. And he, and he says no. And he goes the other way. And you, most of us know the story, right? He runs and tries to get on a ship. And just this is where we're at when we're in sin. Or we don't want to listen to God. It's almost like we forget he's right there. Acts 2.17, I mean, Acts 17 says, uh, he, 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 you know, he, he puts us in exact places and times, right? Yeah. 
because he does this exactly so perhaps that we may reach out and find him, though we're not far from any of them. Never, never that far from He's never far from us, even though we're far from him. So he gets on that, that ship, and you got to laugh. You can laugh at him, but you got to laugh at yourself. Think about when you're in a bad place or when you're doing, or even before you became a Christian or say you're studying, but when you were in your worst place, not even thinking, just doing whatever you want, not living, and then you understand what sin is, you forget that he's right there. So Jonah's running, gets on the boat. God says, you can run, but you can't hide. The ship starts, then the storm comes, this great storm, and it says God sent the storm. So all these men that are a ship on the ship don't even believe in the Hebrew God, the God of the Bible. They're just freaking out what's going on. Jonah's down sleeping. See, when you're depressed and doing what's wrong, sometimes your heart gets so hard that you get so depressed you just start to sleep a lot and isolate. And you find yourself sleeping in late or sleeping during the day. You're the nap king. Nothing wrong with naps. But you find yourself, you know, there's a difference between sleeping when you're tired or just chilling versus sleeping when you know I'm not doing well. Because that's what happened. Then they go down, what are you doing? You're sleeping. We're all dying. They wake him up. They bring him up. And then he says, man, this is all because of me, I think, because I disobeyed a God, my God. He goes, the Hebrew God that we've heard about. And they all go crazy, right? And then they throw him off. Because they don't throw him off because they want to. He says, throw me off because he's so worldly. Sorrow. It's me. It's me. Poor me. Just get rid of me. Let me die. So see, his heart's not even right. Oh, you poor little thing. They throw, they, they, they said, we can't do that because if we do that, God's going to get us because we're not supposed to do stuff like that, throwing people off into the water to drown. And he says, no, it's all right. Just do it. And they're like, and I think they're, as they're starting to sink, they're all right. They do it. They throw them off. And then he starts to do this. And go to Jonah 2 because I want to show you something about, 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 about the, the sign of Jonah is a sign of love. Because maybe uh, it's, not that, it's not that we're doing that, but in, in chapter 2, verse 1, I love this. It's only 10 verses, but you can relate to this. And, and you're saying, well, how can I relate to being thrown over in the middle of a stormy ocean and then swallowed by a big fish? No, you can because your heart's been there before. It says, from inside the, 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 the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord God. The demons are going, yes, no one's going to believe that. That's why it's impossible just to intellectually do that. It's God. God can do anything he wants. And he said, am I distressed? Okay, unfortunately, a lot of times, when am I distressed, I called to the Lord and he answered. You know what? Isn't it too bad that we can't just wake up in our absolute overflowing with gratitude, every need's met, and we cry out to God? Not that we don't, but we got to remember. And God loves us so much that sometimes we get in distress, then we remember to call to him. And he wants us to. But I try to remember, I just want to get up and go, man, everything is great, and I'm just going to spend some time, and God, thanks. Right? From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to me. So deep in the realm of the dead, see, it's impossible for that to happen. He was dead. He's thrown off, and he's dead. Just Jesus died on the cross, and he was dead in the tomb. Jonah, there's no way you can stay alive without God continuing to maintain something going on. He says, in the realm of the dead, mean I'm dying. I called out for stress. And he says, you hurled me into the depths of the very heart of the seas. Verse 3, and the currents swirled me around. All the waves and breakers swept over me. And I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I look again towards your holy temple. I will look again. That means I'll finally turn, look back to you instead of just walking away and, not, and ignoring you. I'm going to do, I'm going to look back to you. And it says here in verse 5, the engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed were wrapped around my head. See, people in Beverly Hills in Hollywood, California, they'll go to places and pay for seaweed wraps. 
Seaweed wraps are like fancy. Like I'm from LA. I, I never went in there, but I saw people going in there. I'm sure you had to mortgage, like take a refinance on your house to get the mud and the seaweed wrap in Beverly Hills on uh, Rodale Drive. I went down Rodale Drive and I used to look in the stores like a looky-loo just because I can't believe something costs that much. But here, this seaweed wrap wasn't good. Verse 6. Well, we'll put you in the water and put you down there and we'll see how you like it. Someone go this free, all right. Take them out to the ocean, Bob. Do your thing. I'm just kidding. To the roots of the mountain I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. That means I'm done. I'm done. I'm barred in. And he said, we know that he knows he's not right with God right now because he said I've been banished. But, but, see the but, but you, Lord, my God. Now we see a different spirit of an attitude from when, he, when God told him what to do before he, when he said, no, I'm not. You have freedom of choice. Lord, my God, but you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I vowed, I will make sound. What I say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. See, those who cling to worthless idols don't understand the sign of Jonah. And they could fight and argue. And we can get, People are arguing about religion to this day. It's so sad that we have... Christ's name and Bibles in different churches and everybody gets arguing. Why is there so many churches that don't completely agree with one another exactly when it comes to scriptural? Because of pride and, and wickedness. Just humble out, become a sixth grader and go, I know nothing and go, what's the Bible said? Oh, okay, I'll start to do that. Or if I'm not doing, oh, okay, and then there's no problem. If we just throw all our churches away and all the religion and all the stuff we grew up at, throw it all away. Throw it all out your brain. Unlearn everything. And go, now I'm just going to start fresh. What does it say in the Bible, Jesus say I should do? Come follow me. How do I do that? I don't see him. He's dead. He's went up into heaven. Oh, I'm glad you asked. There's always been a remnant as Jesus trained the first disciples. He trained them and he says, now you guys go and I'm with you always to the very end. And you make disciples. I'm going to give you the authority to make disciples and I'll continue to save them in the waters of baptism. So how do you do that? You say, follow me as I follow Christ. So when you're, you're a disciple, realize from Jesus' time, there had to be a carry of people that held to the truth through time a remnant, God calls it, to bring and carry with God approving them and then with the Spirit holding on to the, church, the teachings that Jesus taught as though he was in the church as a human being right now. Don't add, don't take anything away. Clinging to worthless idols is what? Your religion, if you're, if, you're, if you're not agreeing with a disciple of Jesus, which would be Jesus. Doesn't matter. I don't know. You won't tell me. No one's going to tell you anything. But if you're holding on and defending yourself and you're not, you're arguing with the Bible, you got a problem. That's an idol, even in and of itself. Your worthless work, your religion, even if there's some truth in it, you're, you're allowing your pride and sentimentality to hold to something that the Bible says is not correct. Yeah. Worthless idols. Some people want, I'm right with God, and they just proclaim I'm doing everything right, but, you know, I love God. That saying's everywhere. I would never, I'm never going to say, I don't know if you love God, but if you say you love God and you're, out in the club partying hard and sleeping with your girlfriend or boyfriend and living with somebody or gay or whatever you want to do, I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to say, you're, you, if you want to get into the Bible, I'll say, you know what you're saying, I don't think God is perceiving it that way. Yeah. 
See, love languages. We all, we all hold God. Like, we all try to proclaim and throw it out the window. But then when it comes to treating each other, we want people to respect and learn to understand and, and want to love me the way, like, love languages. Yeah. Like, if you're going to get married or you're building a friendship, you, you appreciate people not just trying to tick you off every time. I don't care what you said, dude. Just get over it. Oh, we're going to have a good friendship. No, you start to learn to be willing to deny yourself because you care about someone and you want to meet them where they're at. And something that you would never think, that's not my love language, but that's theirs. You willingly strive to do it, even though you get nothing out of it, but you realize they get something out of it. So now you realize the love language of the other person is more important than what you believe loving someone is. And that's where you got to go, what does it mean to love God? And I need to understand what God says it means. And God says to obey me. Not just what you want. See, he was commanded and thrown out of the thing. Let me tell you something. God orchestrated that fish, that big, doesn't say whale, just large fish. He was in control genetically, moving that fish under that ocean, wherever they were, that huge storm he decided to have. Threw, had the guys throw him off. He went into the water probably just long enough to freak out. Because if you're thrown in the ocean anyway, in the middle of the ocean on a sunny day, it's still deep and currenty, and if the ship left, you're pretty much knowing if someone doesn't come back, I'm not going to make it. Because how are you even going to swim out, even if you swim? But the storm, you've seen the worst, you know, storms, you're just going under. And then he's, he's just, what's, I don't know what he's thinking, but I think he's, well, we see what he's thinking, I'm done. And I think God allowed that extra just long enough to get the distress good enough. And he probably just couldn't even comprehend whatever next time. I don't even know that did, but just think he's like, and all of a sudden this huge fish that God is orchestrating because God controls all living things. So he's bringing that fish remote controlly. And just totally going whomp, and it swallows him. And then not even that yet, he's like this, and then he's probably just thinking, I'm dead. And he's like, I'm squished in between the intestines, I'm not dead. I mean, I don't know what he's thinking, but he, I know he's, not, he's still praying, so he's not dead. He's, is this a dream? I mean, I don't know. At that point, you can't even fear or feel anymore. You're just in shock. But he's not dead. He's like, okay. And he's just, you know, inside the stomach. <laughs> still, still, I mean, that's pretty, in the heart of it, right? And that's what I'm talking about. See, Jesus, it says that, uh, that back, it, it says that God, if you go back to uh, the, the Jonah, the sign of Jonah, let's go back to, uh, uh, let's go to actually Matthew 21. But as we do that, uh, it says that Jonah was in the whale three days. That's a long time. Uh, you know, people, I always think like when I get to heaven, I, I just, I just want to get to heaven, and that, all I know is I'm going to live that Jesus, Lord, try to do my best, and when I see that I'm in sin and try to listen to the Spirit or somebody and anything that, that I'm doing that offends God or, the, or, or, or people from the Word, I want to quickly try to be more humble and go, God, help me change. Because I, I want to keep my word to God, Jesus, Lord, and I need a lot of grace. But when I get there, it's great once you get there and you're settled and you can make it. It's, it just imagine you're sitting there wherever it's working spiritually and then you identify the spirit of Jonah coming around that's just Jonah don't you want to ask him like dude I'm sure you've been asked this a lot <laughs> you ever like you come up to a celebrity or something you don't want to ask, they, they say they don't want to be asked I mean get over that because you were paying billions of dollars but, you, but like, what was it like how's it like to act or what's it like they just because they want to be treated like a normal person but just think about asking Jonah can you explain that from a human point of view what that was like that's interesting Look in um, 
So point number one is God drew first blood to get your attention. See, he got Jonah's attention, and then Jesus is even stamping. That's so important that he uses nothing will be given to anyone except the sign of Jonah. Up to the point when Jesus was preaching, he said, that's it. You're not getting anything else. And why? Jonah was a prophet that was known enough that was even quoted in different books that he had a reputation. People knew of him and they carried it wrong. That story carried all the way where Jesus even reiterated it to not just be a fish story, to be a powerful faith story. Amen. Right? Yes. And if you look in 1 John 4, 17... Because you got to realize, Jesus reiterates that. That's so powerful. Why? Jonah died because of his disobedience and rebellion to God, but was raised and brought back to life, so to speak, in the fish to have a chance to redeem himself. Yeah. And he changed and did what he's supposed to do. Yeah. And then Jesus said the, the final sign, which was he did, is he died and was, was laid to rest for three days and raised from the dead. That's it. That's all you're getting. And see, anybody who continues to stammer and doesn't change, it's not because you can't believe. It's because your wickedness of not wanting to change. Or mine. I, lived, I thought, heard about Jesus all my life off when I'm going to church. I did live the way I wanted, when I wanted, how I wanted, but I still said, God, I love you. When you really come to Jesus, you've got to relinquish and go, what's your love language now? And it's important now, and you've moved me, not because I have to, because I get to, because I now have been touched really by the love. You might say God loves you, but until you're touched by the power of that love, nothing can stop you. Yeah. You'll change. You'll go, when's the next study? You'll be fired up. You won't care what anybody thinks. The world will look down on you. It doesn't matter. I'm going to get right with God. 1 John 4, verse 17 says, this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There's no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made, it, 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 the one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he loved first. We love because he first loved us. You may not understand that unless you become a disciple because you're not really loving him. Even if you think you're loving, if you don't recognize the pattern of life and you're not wanting to fit into the pattern that Jesus calls you to live for God. If people are afraid, it's because of something in the past that haunts them or something in the present that upsets them or something in the future they feel threatens them. I'm going to repeat that. If people are afraid, it is because Something in the past is hurt or haunts them. Something in the present continually upsets them. Or something in the future they feel is threatening them. Or it may be a combination of all three. You know, you hurt, I'm sorry. It's understandable. To keep hurt, it's going to go from hurt to poor me to eventually bitterness. And then when you get bitterness, you get hard-hearted and you get angry and you get defensive. And now you don't even realize what you're sad about. You're just, I don't trust nobody. See, bitterness is like cancer. Sadness turns into bitterness. Apathy turns into bitterness. Pride and contemptuous, mocking God by, you know, just not behaving like Jesus, but acting like you're part of the deal. You're not. If I don't Make my, go, God, help me love every day and smile. I'm a sinner. Well, God has grace. Well, why would I walk around and grump around all day knowing I got to get around to repenting 
Otherwise, I'm like the sign of Jonah, not repentant. So why stay in something you know God's going to be patient? God's patient. Well, why, do you, why stay in it when you're miserable? Because if you're not, if you're grumpy, nothing changes your grumpiness. Except you. And with Jesus, why not get around to being happy? You can't be in sin and really be happy. It's momentary. It, it's fleeting. So, see, so I'm just looking at Ephesians 4, 26, and then we're going to continue our worship while we bring these people up and uh, we're going to go through some great things that are happening look in Ephesians 4 26 in your anger do not sin well that's a first that's a work isn't it in your anger do not sin do not let the sun go down while you're still angry so it's in your anger do not sin but I know you're not going to be strong enough and you're going to blow it at times so now you got a whole 24 hours to deal with it God's going to deal with it now and he's saying even if you don't what if I don't well, it's just going to get worse because your heart's going to get harder. It says the devil is going to start digging a foothold because you're getting, you're holding it. So each day goes by, it just gets deeper, harder, harder, harder. Yeah. That's how feuds begin. Before you know, it's like grandpa and grandma and great grandparents hated somebody, and now all the generations, I don't know why I hate them, I just hate them. Oh. Hatfields and McCoys. Yeah. In your anger, don't sin. Okay, if you do sin, don't let the sun go down. Get about to it. Get ready. Get gas me to help you get your heart soft. Go, reconcile. And then it says in verse 29, drop down to it. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that must benefit them who listen. So now you think and speak how you can benefit those, and you don't just vent. You tick me off. That's why I'm ticked off. Because you, you know, you got to say, hey, I got to share how you hurt my feelings. And I got to word this where I'm just, it's not about me venting and getting revenge. It's like, I got to come in like Jesus, but I still got to share my heart. But also understand the battle's not against flesh and blood. And, every, and, and, I wanna, and I've hurt people, so let me treat people in, in a respectful way. Amen. But if you look in verse uh, 30, it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you see, were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. It never ends. The sign of Jonah is the love of God. The love of God is the sign of Jonah. Why? Well, you can go, oh, man, God's threatened me. You go to hell. No, he's not. He's inviting you to be with him in heaven. If you don't want to be with him, then you decide you want to be completely separated with him now and forever. You can't just have some of God. It's either all of God or none of God. And, and you, go, you go, what's about that? Well, if you're married, go up to your spouse and say, you don't, get some of, you don't get all of me, you get some of me. And I'll decide what some I give, and then I'm going to do what I want. Oh, wow, put a ring on that finger. What's that Beyonce saying? Put a ring on it. I'm just standing in line to get married with you, you giving, selfish, selfless husband. I'll give you what I want to give you, and I'll be the way I want. Don't bother me. I'll give you some of me. No, God, no one would do that. But then we look at God, and God's going, I want all of you. How dare you, God? And not only do I want all of you, not just to control you, I want to give back to you the best life plan through Christ as you understand to live righteously. Righteously. 